0: to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, we follow Alex on his winding road through various VC and IB internships in college, including one at Goldman Sachs, to his latest jump to the fintech space at Lex Markets. Learn what went wrong at the Goldman internship and the first startup, and advice to some of the younger listeners trying to navigate similar waters. Enjoy. Okay, Alex, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. it be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary bio.
1: Yeah, um, so I work for a, a real estate investment banking fintech. Um, previously, I was at a, a fintech debt fund kind of thing. Uh, lending operation and uh, licensing out software. And before that, had a string of investment banking internships and, and the like, um, both in New York and London, a um, little bit of political experience earlier on, but I've mostly been on the finance track and uh, way back when I was at Middlebury.
0: Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. So let's let's talk about uh, your time back at Middlebury. I went to Williams, so uh, familiar with the liberal arts um, yep. channel. Um, I would love to hear just you know, when you went to uh, went to school, were you thinking finance? And I know who you I know you I worked with your father's for the readers to know I, I <laughs> Alice's father was at uh, Tailwind where I worked way back way back one. But yeah, I'd love to hear just, you know, was he an influence of you saying like, Oh, you should go to finance? Or was there family members that were in finance?
1: Yeah, I mean he was definitely an influence. He was never, it was never coached, but it was one of those things of uh, and, and you probably know from Tailwind of it always came home, right? It was a it's a it's a nonstop job. And so I was around it growing up and you know, had a lot of exposure growing up, both through my dad and then later on in high school, I'd say, you know, a good portion of people's parents either worked, you know, in in corporate law or in finance of some sort. And so there's a lot of exposure all around. Um, I actually started interning back in high school. So, my high school actually had an internship placement program, and I was, I interned at RVS and Barclays um, before I was 18, which was, you know, a great experience just to have a foot
0: in the door. Your high school did that? Yeah. How was that? I I've never heard of that. So, that young. Was it like a rotate, more of a rotation, or was it a real internship? Uh, somewhere in the
1: middle. I mean, look, these were, these were, you know, banks agreeing to take out a high school student for three or four weeks or whatever. Um, so, you know, the expectations of it's pretty low and it's, you know, you're not, you're not actually working on real stuff, but you get to be in the office and meet people and be a part of it. And, you know, you sort of get a, get an early flavor, um, the school sort of organized for us. And there was still, you know, you applied the school at a resume workshop. So I, I started pretty early on, um, on the track.
0: Was that just special to your high school, or do you know if there's other high school programs that do that?
1: I haven't heard of another high school that does that. I think that may that may have been unique to my high school, um, and it was a great opportunity. I, I grew up in London, and that was you know we just you know hop on the tube and go over to Canary Wharf and and intern over the summer.
0: Oh, it was in London. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, very cool. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Let's before we even dive in. What do you mean you grew up in London, and what's the what's the background there?
1: Yeah. So, as you said, you worked with my dad at Tailwind, um, and my dad left Tailwind. Um, to go and take a job over in the UK and moved uh, the family over with them. So I went to the American school in London um, and, you know, call London home. Uh, My dad is actually still there Um, and, you know, got an American high school experience with a bunch of, I would say 50% plus ish Americans and everyone else Americanized. Um, And uh, yeah, had a a sort of interesting experience being sort of a third culture kid, I guess they call it. Um, And, and, you know, very different than where I was uh, in the New York area before that. Um, but, you know, very glad I did it and got me sort of a lot of international exposure early on. I also played rugby, and got to travel all over Europe. So I really got to travel in my teens and was pretty formative on my life
0: going forwards. That's lucky. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah. You're, um, so you're kind of getting out of high school, you're applying to colleges, you end up at Middlebury you thinking at this point, hey, you've done a, you've worked at some banks where you're thinking, hey, investment banking all the way um, when you were. Yeah.
1: I was, I was dead set from day one. And it was, it was a joke amongst my friends from day one. Um, so, I, so I, I threw my Barclays internship, um, had some, you know, personal connections. I thought I was going to go back and there was some turnover at Barclays in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys that I knew there didn't go back. And so my sort of, freshman year idea sort of evaporated in midair um in like freshman april. summer you mean for my, fr- my freshman summer i was hoping to go back and have that be organized and have you know really a really sort of solid thing to go down that road as a freshman yep. um, totally evaporated in late april of my of my freshman spring and um totally by chance um you know, someone I knew met someone walking their dogs in the park in Rock Creek Park in D.C., whose daughter was on the early days of the Clinton campaign and they needed someone had dropped out. They needed someone. And so I sort of just fell into a Clinton campaign internship um, for my freshman year summer was my was my brief diversion from uh, from banking.
0: That's actually a really interesting um, topic simply for the fact of like resume building and politics and you know, the thought of, do you put that on your resume or do you? Do you, do you
1: well, know? that's, that's exactly it. it. It was on the resume through up until the 2016 election. And then it fell off the resume. Um, it is still on my LinkedIn way down there at the bottom. So if someone really wants to know, they can, they can go look at it. Got it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sensitive topic depending on who. Would I'm you, with.
0: would you recommend uh, putting that for, for people who do work in, in politics or campaigns? If it, do, do you feel like it's a, uh,
1: I think I think it's helpful. I think it depends what you're doing and who you're working for, right? I mean, I don't want to get too political on this podcast. There are certain politicians that are particularly inflammatory that I would maybe be worried about. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I was in the fence about Hillary Clinton. I think that was a lot that was a very sort of sore topic for a while. Um, but it was a really great experience to have at 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And I got I really stepped up in that internship. They gave me a lot of responsibility, and so I was able to speak good. to that. Yeah. 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 Right. I was I was the organizer for the East Coast for them, you know, volunteering out of the D.C. office in the end. So that was, you know, that was a really sort of cool thing to talk about for a
0: while. Yeah, for sure. OK, so you're doing that. You come into sophomore year. Now you're thinking, OK, for sure, I'm going to have this investment banking internship sophomore summer. So,
1: so, so sophomore year, I came in. And so it, the, the part where my where my friends made fun of me before we skip over to sophomore was the banks started networking at Middlebury. We had on-campus recruiting early, early on. And it's not class exclusive, but it tends to be, attended to be juniors, now it's probably sophomores is how the, all, the, all the process works, and I went as a freshman, and uh, I think it took me probably two or three years to live down going to those events as a freshman, um, so, so on, on the focus of that, that was, you know, something in there, in there as well, but yeah, two, sophomore year, I came in, still dedicated towards it, um, I had done a bunch of networking, starting in those sort of freshman coffee chats, you know, on-campus recruiting and whatnot, um,
0: and, you know, I'm mean, about that. What do you, you mean? What do you mean? The networking freshman coffee chat says so like, I know you went to the info sessions, but were you doing other stuff like Middlebury alums that were had were in banking? Like, were you already putting laying the ground?
1: I, I I did get to that in the end, not as a freshman. As a freshman, it was much more talking to people on campus and talking to people they might know and using my dad's connections and Prince High School's connections and sort of anyone that I knew. I, I think it was really, there was a lot of hustle that went into getting my sophomore internship, probably more than any other internship, to be honest, because there's Not really, if you're not a diversity candidate, um, there's no structured process for sophomores. And it it was the sort of really.
0: No accelerated. At least back then, there was no accelerated.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was not even accelerated. They wouldn't even take your application, right? I mean, you couldn't get into anywhere big unless someone reached out and pulled you in. Um, and so there was a lot of pounding the pavement, cold emails, going to the Middlebury Network, again, high school friends and dad's friends and anyone of that on campus and anyone, anything I could think of to just talk to someone. Um, and I think I did. I think I found my my spot in like late January, early February of sophomore year.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and how did you find it?
1: It was it was a um, a friend of my dad's who had a son who he'd introduced me to a while back, and I reconnected with the son, um, who was, I think he's about 10 years older than me, so, you know, somewhere in the middle there. Um, and they were, his his venture fund was this tiny little thing at the time. It was, you know, two partners, maybe three partners and two associates, and they wanted to go bring on, you know, a handful of interns for the summer. Um, and I had a whole process to navigate because they, there's a whole bunch of laws about like college credit. If you're not going to pay your interns, you have to give college credit. And Middlebury refuses to take college credit, or at least did. And so it was this awkward thing of, well, they're not going to pay me and they can't give me college credit. And how are they going to take me? We, we ended up figuring it out, um, but went over and it was, it was funny. It was, a, it was a, you know, British internship. I went back to the UK, um, all American intern class. Um, and again, I, I still look back at it, it you know, incredib- incredibly, incredibly funny. That was one of the really formative experiences of my career because I loved that summer Um, And it's crazy because at the
0: time, like I said, you know. Why did they hire all American interns? It was just that was the class that they wanted to bring over or something?
1: I, you know, I never got that far into that. I think it was a combination of they didn't have to pay them and they were, you know, people, people had networked. They had the college, the college credit thing. It it worked out. Um, But the crazy part now is, well, it was a small fund then. They're now the largest retail venture capital fund in Europe, I believe. Wow, well, And, the, I, and the, I was working with really great guys and I got to learn a ton. Yeah. And even, even as an intern, you know, they had me on the investment team and I'm learning how to screen pitches and learning how startups work. And then they started to realize, well, actually maybe Alex can be operational too. And they started putting me in because they have, they run a Y Combinator style fund over there where they bring, they literally share an office space um, with these you know firms they invest in. So you have the venture, you know, fund upstairs and all the, startups downstairs so you, you know walk downstairs and go and consult with, with some of these guys and i was doing a sort of split day a week thing so i got a really cool experience being on the ground floor of startups and being you know on the investment side as well and, and learning both sides of the business um and again with really really great people who i'm still in contact with and, and you know really formative for me
0: that's amazing so besides like having good connections and being connected with, with that son. For people who don't have that, what do you suggest like they do to develop those relationships?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard. And, you know, like I said, like you sort of said, I got very lucky that I, I you know, was able to come in with some of those connections. The people that I knew that that sort of did well without that, we all sort of followed the same process. right? I, I sort of struck gold because I had an extra bump. But I think everyone sort of did the same thing I did. Of you, you just talk to as many people as possible, and I think if you're very open with what you want and you talk to you talk to as many people honestly, and you're interesting, eventually someone connects you. And so I know um, it was actually quite funny. My my first week of freshman year, like literally orientation, there were there were three. I, my my class at Middlebury, I was Feb, so this class of a hundred people we have our own orientation. three of us in this orientation all said to each other the first like three or four days of school we're all going to work in Goldman Sachs. Um, And all three of us went to Goldman and all three of us left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But the other two guys who were in that as well, they did the same thing, right? Of, Of, you know, I don't think they came in with the same sort of connections, but they really grounded out and they got involved on campus. They met other people. They got introductions, a lot, a lot, a lot of cold emails. Um,
0: yeah, give me a sense. Give me a sense of that, like the the scale of it, so people can kind of wrap their head around it. Like when you were coming into sophomore year, like how many how many phone calls or how many emails or LinkedIn requests did you send out, and then how many phone calls did that turned into before? Like,
1: I had a spreadsheet of about two hundred and fifty or three hundred people that I had researched and wanted to go and talk to, um, and I emailed every single one of them.
0: Let's back up though. How did you even form that list? Was it LinkedIn <laughs> like filtered searches? Like, well, what?
1: It's It started with the Middlebury Alumni Network, and I went through the list of every firm that there was a Middlebury alumni at that I was interested in. Yep. I skipped all the big ones because I knew going in, uh, you know, no big firm is going to hire, you know, a sophomore. A, a sophomore candidate, right? So going to all the all the small firms, any person I can find, and then, you know, asking my dad for any introductions that he has, going back to my high school friends.
0: This is venture funds. This is private equity everything. funds. This is.
1: Every, yeah private equity wealth managers like anything full- finance
0: related because it's a sophomore internship
1: exactly any anything i can do to get my foot in the door yeah. um and you know and you know i'm great i'm very lucky that the fund did great after it looks even better now but at the time yeah it was a you know a five-man shop and unpaid internship it wasn't it wasn't a big sexy thing but it got my foot in the door and got me experience and that was all i was after
0: cool okay so you had that experience over the summer you're kind of coming back now you have something good on on the resume, right? Yep. Um, this is now your junior summer, or sorry, junior junior year.
1: So yeah, it's, it's a good note to make here too. So it's it's a junior year with an asterisk. So back to that part where I said I was part of a class of 100 people. I took six months off before coming to Middlebury as a part of a structured program they have, oh. and I had the credits from high school where I could have graduated early. So I got to I got to pick my junior year, and so I basically said in this summer I'm gonna graduate, Even though I took time off, I'm gonna graduate early and and be quote unquote on time or whatever to, you know, be in that class of people. And I recruited for investment banking um, and went through the went through the full process, you know, two internships.
0: But. but you had enough credits from high school with like AP classes and all this stuff where yep. you, you didn't need to take as many credits at Middlebury to graduate? That's,
1: I would, I could have graduated a full semester and a bit early.
0: Three and a, half, three and a half years or so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Three and a half with a light semester or something like that.
1: Yeah, so Middlebury has a 414, and I think I had, uh, 414 being four classes, one class, four classes, how they structure. I think I had five or six credits, so I could have sort of just skipped the whole, the whole last semester in a bit.
0: So what was your thought process? Would you, were you leaving it as like an insurance policy in case you didn't get… Uh, exactly. That was, that
1: was it. It was a, I'm going to try to go, go about it and do this. And, you know, at that
0: point, what you decided, because I had a good internship, I'm going to go for it. Now I'm going to recruit now for investment. Is that the,
1: yeah, no, I had, I had the grades. I had, you know, two good internships, right. I mean, Clinton was not a toxic asset yet. Um, (laughs) And, and so I had, you know, two great things to speak to. I looked like, I looked like a junior on paper. The only thing missing was one semester of grades. And, you know, I had, I had the APs right behind me to say, look, you want me to graduate on this date? I can graduate on that date. So, you know, um, got to go be a part of, of that recruiting class.
0: Okay, cool. So, and then what would have happened if, like, let's say it didn't work out and you didn't get a, an internship? Would you have been able to push back then and go? Well, it's,
1: it's sort it's of, sort, that's, that's sort of what happened. Um. Okay. So let's talk <laughs> so, about that. So you're going yeah. into your,
0: we'll call it your junior year. Right. Um, to yeah. recruit with that, with that class. And then, so you're doing resume drops, they're coming in. Um, yep. How many resume yep. drops, 30, 20, 50, what?
1: Um, nor- well north of 50, c- Little, I think a little bit under 100 in that terms many? of- yeah. many
0: people coming on campus to Middlebury? Uh,
1: well, a c- combination of on-campus and listing schools. Oh, and listings right? online. Right, right, right. I, I, w- I would say on campus, there were probably closer to, there were probably two dozen-ish that came on campus, of yeah. which I probably got half, right? Maybe say a dozen a dozen things that I talked to people.
0: For first um, round, For first round. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so talk to me. Let's talk about on campus first. So first round, you kind of do twelve. You know, go you drop twenty four resumes. Your resume twelve yep. times rather. Yeah, first round interviews. What does it look? What does it look like? Are these mostly banks, investment banks?
1: These are. I'm I'm purely looking at investment banks. At okay, point. so all investment I'm, I'm, banks. Middle yeah.
0: markets, bulge brackets.
1: Yep, yeah, com- combination thereof. Um, not all the bulge brackets. It's funny. Middlebury is very sort of funny about who goes there, right? So, you know, um, Goldman is very heavy. Uh, Morgan Stanley, for sure, Um, Deutsche Bank, Bank of America, Barclays, there's not a lot of presence from Credit Suisse or from from JP, or at least there wasn't when I was doing it, but I know we've sent people there as well, but it was a a very sort of different feel about how that was all going to work, and yeah, there are sort of random guys who come on as well, a lot of sort of boutique banks of Middlebury alums end up there and and come, Um, you know, what's interesting about Middlebury is, I think it's sort of, it's only recently come into its prime as like a, you know, more of a core school for these guys and a lot of it is alumni driven so if we end up with a lot of alumni at a bank they come on campus um and and the story that i've heard i haven't validated but the the, the legend rumor whatever was that there was someone senior at lehman brothers from middlebury so lehman brothers i think again this is like someone should ver- should validate this but was sort of the the middlebury bank in post 2008 everyone sort of scattered and, and, you know, we got to go and have a lot more, uh, reach across Wall Street as people sort of went elsewhere. Um, and, and, you know, it was very, yeah you know, again, very alumni driven about who goes where. Um, but yeah, had a bunch of different on-campus interviews, um, bombed a fair number of them, right? It was, it's, you know, it's definitely a practice makes perfect sort of thing. Um, and,
0: did you not have our Ivy interview course yet, Alex? No, just
1: <laughs> just no, no I actually, I actually did, and and it's funny. So there were there were two things that got me through the process, really, right? And and one of them was absolutely your course. I would, because you said, you know, early on, you know, liberal arts school, Middlebury, to, while I was there until the very end, didn't even have an accounting course. And when I wanted to go take one separately, which I ended up doing, um, I did a I did a summer Harvard accounting course when I was at the venture internship. Um, they were upset about it. They didn't want to count it for credit. They didn't even want me taking the course. Like, they were very focused on this is a liberal arts school. You shouldn't be focused on that. Um, so all of my technicals came from your guide for the most part, and which is which was an absolute lifesaver. Um, still very but grateful. They still for that.
0: Grill, even even at a liberal arts college. I think nowadays, or even when you were you were interviewing, they had started grilling the liberal arts kids. They expected you to know it at that point. Whereas you know, too, when I was going through it it was more of like, okay, do you know it or not? And if you said no, you could kind of scoot through. I <laughs> mean, um, it was more fit behavioral. But yeah, tell me about that. So they were pretty heavy on the technicals for you guys, even with no accounting background. It was,
1: it was very, it differed by firm. Um, we definitely didn't get the worst of it, right? I have friends who went to other schools where I've heard of some crazy technical questions that I never got,
0: yeah. right?
1: But we definitely got into accounting and you had to walk through an income statement and walk through what happens in a transaction across you know the three statements, the, the basics, right? Yeah. You know, I think you're, you're, I have friends who had questions that were far outside the scope of your guide. Um, they went to, you know, more technical programs. I don't think I ever had a question outside the scope of your guide. Right. So it was, it was very much, you know, if you, if you knew the Wall Street Oasis guide backwards and forwards, which I, I basically had memorized and I read it way too many times. It was my own, it was my textbook of, of how to learn this stuff. Um, You, you were going to be fine with the technicals. Yeah. Um, my other huge thing that I'm forever grateful for I had a whole crazy housing mix-up on campus where I ended up in an apartment of people that I had didn't know at all. So it was just totally, I, I forgot exactly how it happened, but it was driven by one of my friends, surprisingly transferred. I had gotten messed up out of my housing and he gave me his housing and I just, I fell into this thing. And two of the girls in my apartment were really hardcore investment bankers. Um, and so one of them went to UBS and is now at a D e capital Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is, is a hot shot at Apollo. Um, and is, re- and, and, between the two of them, the practice interviews that they, 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 you know, they took time to give me, they were a year ahead of me and they, they'd already sort of seen it and they had their offers lined up. Um, they really carried me through the process and taught me and I would be, I would not have made it if they hadn't sat with me for hours and practiced. Um, so I was, I was very, very lucky that I fell into that speed and met them.
0: Yeah, the mock interviews are are a big, big thing that a lot of people underestimate. They think they can go and wing it, especially if they feel confident about like their speaking ability. Then they get in yep. there and it's like, oh, that could have been a little bit smoother. And that's just enough to get the, you know get the ding. Um, and yeah. Not alone, so and I,
1: and I, I was really not smooth. And actually, there's a separate side story here as well, where I apologize if it's a tangent, but I no, I, I still no, think it's like funny. we like side stories so, and funny. <laughs> um, so. I, I was really dead set on Goldman Sachs, like I mentioned. And in this. By the way, round, it's not a good
0: strategy for those listening.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's absolutely it's absolutely not. And that, look, I look, I, I hedged my bets, um, but I was I was I really wanted that. And um, I got rejected in that after that first round, that first time around. Mm-hmm. And it was the same night that um, one of the people in my apartment had broken up with their with their person they were dating. And the two of us had this ridiculous night. We finished off a bottle of vodka. And at like two in the morning, she calls up her friend at Barclays and gets me an interview for like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the next day. Um, and and look, I, I, I could blame the hangover. I'm not gonna blame the hangover. I was, I was not a good interviewer at that point. And the feedback was basically like, you're a terrible interviewer. Um, and the, luckily, the guy, the MD at Barclays, liked me enough to, you know, sort of say, "Look, you know, you're going to interview again. Give you a second chance. Go and talk to this guy, this analyst, a few times, and have him coach you and teach you how to do it." And so got even more help along the way. Pure luck off of this like random night out of I like, get introduced to this guy, um, yeah. who who further sort of coached me on, you know, think about your points and have you know A, B, and C. Make sure every answer has a logical flow. Um, cause I was, and I'm doing it right now. I, I can sort of be all over the place like if the I don't. Tan-
0: yeah, you like the tangents. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it. I think it's more interesting. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, okay. So you're, you do, you do finally kind of, um, so this is, this is again, your junior summer or your, yeah. if, if you're applying for it early in junior year. You, so, so what happens? So what happens?
1: Yeah. So I end up with, um, with, th- so I, I end up with three different offers. I'm trying to think about I want to tell the story best. Um, and so, one of the offers I got—the one that I ended up taking—I had interviewed at Wells Fargo, and Wells Fargo had a quota for Middlebury, um, or, or sorry, for Middlebury for, for, the, for their whole listing school category. We weren't the core school for them, and so basically, they took, I think they took no one from Middlebury that year. But the, one of the guys there had liked me, and I was in a computer science class with a guy um, a couple of years older than me who was all, who had gone there, and the two of them sort of referred me to East Hill Secured, which they owned at the time. And they knew that I came from real estate background and I talked about it, you know, through my dad. Um, I got introduced to Security in Security at Wells Fargo and then put together, oh, wait, you're from London. You can work in London. You have work authorization. Our London office needs somebody. And I got stuck into the process in London through this sort of random connection at Wells Fargo, having, you know, failed out of the normal interview process. So I had I had that and a couple other offers and I, I won't I won't shame the bank, but one of the other offers, the MD who called me with the offer literally said, and I, can, I, can I use language here and quote or should I?
0: Yeah, I just literally
1: it- called me and said, you were fucking terrible. Luckily for you, you were the least fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> and so um, I wasn't super excited about that offer um, in the way that it came um,
0: you you and share the bank.
1: I, I won't. I won't shame the bank on that one, okay. um, but they they had a reputation for being like that at the time, and I would say that it's true based on my brief experience. Okay. Um, yeah. So had a had a big bank offer that came with sort of a jerky form, um, a sort of you know not as prestigious offer, and then he still secured. He still secured at the time was the number one ranked real estate investment bank in the world by a good margin. And even better, they were a very small team having that ranking. The guys were super friendly. I wanted to be in London. It was sort of like the dream offer. Like it sort of worked out perfectly. If it wasn't going to be Goldman, I'm glad it was them. Um, Now, this is summer 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot going on. And it's firstly an incredible internship experience. Um, I'm, I'm a very strong modeler. It's entirely because of and I'll, I'll thank I'll thank him by name here because I'm again, I'm incredibly grateful. There's a guy, there's an analyst I worked with, Tom Anderson, um, who spent way more time than I deserved with me on a really ridiculous deal that it's a whole other story. We don't I don't really run out of time, but basically he, he still got staffed on a mega, mega deal and I got roped in as an intern and it was there were some crazy intern stories that came through this mega deal, some of which are on Wall Street Oasis. <laughs> um, and um really just got the full banking experience right 100 hour weeks and multiple all nighters in a week we had a dedicated fridge full of red bull for for the analysts and the interns i mean it was um it it was, it was full force right we yeah. we it was heavy drinking you know work hard play hard it was everything that banking was advertised to be other than it was terrible money i think it worked out to like 5 dollars an hour they were you know the uk market is below the us market and Eastville's below the uk market and it was like yeah what did I earn here? (laughs) Uh, But again, I learned a tremendous amount and I was really excited to go and and hopefully go back. And then um, June 2016, Brexit. So my first ever paycheck comes the morning that the pound drops like 30% after the election election results. And the whole summer after that become, you know, the last last half of the summer, it's all sort of panic mode of what's going to go on. And the summer sort of comes out and, you know, offers don't get made to any, any of our, any of the class and it's sort of like, OK, stay tuned. We don't know what's going on. Are we hiring? Are we firing? Brexit. So Brexit happens. No offers get made. Um, we have to sort of, you know, figure it out. They sort of tell us to stay on hold. They, they had sort of told me, you know, expect to hear back something around, you know, January or February, early winter. Well, Middlebury had to know if I was going to graduate early or not by like September. And so I had to give them an answer way before I was going to know. And I was not willing to go gamble, right? And so I, I told I told, E still, you know, forget about it and went back and re-recruited again. So I, just, I had a second junior year summer recruiting process. Um, <laughs> um,
0: but now you're all polished. Now
1: I'm polished. and Now I've got a big transaction. I, I, you know, I couldn't talk about it in the recruiting process that hadn't closed yet, but I got to put, you know, a, a well north of 10 billion transaction on my resume. Um, and I came from a fancy bank and all was, all was going to be good. And I love real estate banking. That's what I wanted to do. And and I went down the whole process and went through it all over again. Um, again, came out with, with again, three offers. And it was actually funny. They they all came within like 10 minutes of each other. And I remember, I remember literally getting one, putting them on hold, getting the second, putting them on hold, getting the third. So right. I had three phone calls. It was, it was like simultaneous. That's so weird.
0: Well, probably because they all knew they were all jumping. Uh, it was, it was, was it earlier your, I'll call it your junior, senior year. Was it earlier junior, senior year that you got that where it was like, uh, what was it? September, it was, October, October?
1: It, uh Yeah. Late October. I think it was something and like so that. So
0: had they all kind of become on campus at the same time and like, we're just trying to, the super days were close. So, how did that work? How would they all come so close?
1: So it was so basically all the interviews were really close together as well. So actually, what it, it was this crazy again brief side tangent story. I had um, what was it? So I had interviewed um, at William Blair and uh, and Macquarie back to back, um, where it was Chicago, New York, and I, I had I remember I had, I had to take the Macquarie IQ test in my hotel room. So it's like one in the morning with William Blair. Um, and then doing the William Blair thing, coming back to New York and doing um a Jeffries interview. Um and then um so the I actually is this I, I, in what, the middle
0: what, of a school week, a normal school? This week? is this is in the middle of a
1: normal school week, and I'm coming back and all night are in schoolwork when I get back and I had amazing classmates who helped again. This this whole story is I had the support of so many people helping me out. Yeah. Um, but actually so. On the timing, as, you, as we're thinking about this, so this actually happened during mid October that I'm having these interviews. Yeah. And I then get a call from the Clinton campaign. And this is, this is October of 2016. And oh. so I end up taking two weeks off of school to go and work for them again in central Pennsylvania. Um, and I come out of that immediately after election night. The morning after election, like election night, I drove out of Pennsylvania and I drove to New York for my Goldman interview. Um, <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, crazy!
1: Um, and I think I got the offer the fo- from all three the following day. So the other, so Jeffries and Macquarie had waited a little bit, and Goldman moved quickly. And it just coincidentally happened, like In right, literally of- on the same on the same phone calls. It was really it was really something else. Um,
0: and, and then do I had three offers. I, do you think it's because they knew the other ones were going? Do you think Maybe. Goldman moved fast because they knew the other ones were extending offers, like they have intel or something?
1: Maybe I, I I just thought I crushed my Goldman interview to be honest, and it was that which is actually a, the the next transition of the story of yeah for all of these guys I would wanted to be on the real estate investment banking team and McQuarrie McCre- sort of gave it to me McQuarrie really wanted me I had a fraternity brother who was helping me the whole way through they were gonna it was you know we were talking about doing an infrastructure fund offer um it was really going to be pretty great. Um, Jeffries, you know, sort of said, well, our real estate team is not so strong, but our healthcare healthcare team is, and they were really sort of courting me. Um, And Goldman didn't really court, right? Goldman, I showed up and I just sort of hit it off with his VP while I was interviewing. He really liked me. I liked him. And Goldman has, Goldman doesn't do group specific offers. They do a placement process. And so, you know, you you take your offer and then you figure out what your group is going to be. And so I ended up with these offers and it was, okay, it was, you know, really strong Macquarie group, really strong Jeffries group or roll the dice on Goldman. And Goldman had been the goal the whole time. Mm -hmm. And to your point about bad strategy, focusing on Goldman, this was in
0: hindsight, probably a bad decision of, well, no, I'm I'm, what I meant by only focusing, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: I I hear you, but no, no, now that you have
0: the offer, take it. (laughs)
1: Well, that's, that was my thought. I I have the offer in hand. It's a generalist offer. I don't know where I'm going to be. Um, but I hit it off with this VP and and the, you know, sort of derivative structuring group. Um, and, you know, I had networked heavily with real estate and leveraged finance, and I really thought I was going to end up in one of those two groups. And I put both of those groups on my selection list. Um, but when the, you know when I finally got, – first, I, t- I took the Goldman offer. I made I made the decision to turn down Macquarie and Jeffries and wait out Goldman. And when I finally got placed at Goldman, I didn't get placed in Leverage finance or, or in real estate. I got placed with the Derivatives Group, um, which you know I had this great relationship with the VP. All is well, and you know I think all is well, and it's going to be great. You know not what I was looking for, but it's Goldman and cool group, cool guy. Um, and I I, mean, I, I don't want to shit on Goldman here. I, my summer there was just not what i wanted at all and it was it was just not going to work and i i I sort of halfway through the summer because i'd already already seen investment banking i knew what it was like to work hard i knew what a 100 hour week was it wasn't about that but it was the just sort of the group dynamic and where i was and how the group functioned and and what we were doing and just the whole thing i sort of said i i can't do this for two years i need to go try to lateral and do something else
0: um and and by the way, for the record, when I say bad strategy just to go for Goldman or be so focused on one bank, it's more around the specific odds. It's not like you were just applying to Goldman in the bulge brackets. Notice everybody listen, he said he had <laughs> interviews with Harris Williams and with other middle market banks. That's what I said. I was, it's like yeah. you get this bulge bracket or, or bust mentality on Wall Street Oasis, and it's really toxic and it's really actually not healthy. And there's some amazing uh, elite boutique banks, middle market banks that are uh, pay just as well if some of some even better. Um, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So At, at the time, sure.
1: William Blair was, I think, the highest-paying bank on Wall Street. I, I, I yeah. actually really wanted that one, and I, I don't know exactly why I didn't get it, but I have a feeling why I didn't get it. And it was a, it was a literally a high school bullshit thing from way back when. Is oh my, is my, my suspicion as I bumped into someone who we never got along, and I think that's what did it. Um,
0: <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're, so but you're at Goldman. You're halfway through the summer. You're like, this is not the group I want to be in. It's not. Yep. You know. and
1: okay. ask the transfer, right? And, um, apparently I was not the only one. Um, and there were, there were, it was sort of one of those things of, well, they can't all leave and all transfer. So no. (laughs) Um, and so I think actually, I think all, I think all of my class, or at least, you know, the people I was interning with, I think we were all sort of looking at elsewhere. It wasn't, it wasn't that good of an experience, um, to be perfectly honest and nothing against Goldman or even that group. It was just the, the vibes weren't there. We'll say.
0: Um, was it just because and, there wasn't enough deal, uh, deal volume? Was it all pitching? Was
1: it no, that? no, it was a lot of deal volume. It was, um, again, I, I just, I, I really don't want to speak too negatively of anyone. That's and so it, yeah. it was just
0: a certain leadership there. Wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly teaching you or wasn't, it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't
1: going to be, it wasn't going to be the right fit where I could spend two years and, and feel like I was, you know, alive and, and accomplishing things. And, you yeah. know, the group, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the right thing. Okay. Um, and, so that's so, a
0: pretty pretty ballsy move in the middle of your internship to ask for a transfer.
1: Well, I start, I tried to do it softly, right? Yeah. And they, and it, it was brought up of like oh, you know, you should you should figure it out. And Goldman Goldman actually really encourages that, which I think is actually a great thing. Yeah. Is they they really try to have people network across the firm and figure out where they fit. And I actually know a, a number of people I interned with who moved groups, right? It's a very it's a very doable thing. Yeah. And I went to a school alumni there who I had a relationship with and trusted and talked to him about it. And you know, I, I was I was really trying to figure it out the smart way. It it was probably a little bit ballsy. The ballsier part really was making the decision of I don't want to go back here and and, and you know taking the time to go look out elsewhere instead of focusing on the internship because there was not time to do both. Um and I kind of made that decision of I need to
0: figure out something else. This is not going to be it. Um, and um so, how did you approach the end of that internship, the second half? So,
1: I wanted to leave off as positively as possible. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be a bottom bucket person, right? But I also made sure that I, you know, was hedging my bets. And if it meant leaving a little bit earlier at night or saving some time at the end to, you know, go and network or go and apply to things and go and interview, and yeah. you know, I, I, I was, I was trying to go, and I, I, it was probably apparent, um, to be honest, but I was trying to do my best to go and mask it of. I don't, I'm not going to stick it out here for two years. Yeah. Um, and it, it was so confusing. no
0: return offer came. Correct. Yeah. 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 I and was so now, now you're going into your now senior year with the unenviable position of having no return offer.
1: That's, that's exactly right. Um, and it's, it was really, really stressful. I thought I was hot shit. Right, I thought
0: you know. Well, you're coming East out of Eastill, 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 Eastill had, like, Goldman. Yeah,
1: yeah, Eastill Goldman. I already you know Eastill had its own weird thing to it, explainable but weird. Goldman, you know, not coming in with an offer, coming out with an offer, you know, is not the right look. Um, and you know, having two junior year internships, and at that point, the Clinton thing is toxic. Is now Trump is in office, so that has to come off the res. <laughs> that has to come off the resume. But it's. Still but wait around. a second.
0: Why so? Goldman, like you knew you did you know you weren't going to get an offer? Cause like things were going poorly in the first half or like, did you feel like, like, did they tell you halfway through? And I had like, a
1: conversation hmm. with my MD basically sort of said, you know, we've, we've, we've noticed that things have been slipping, you know, are you trying to get an offer here and make this happen or, or not? And I didn't give him a straight answer, but I gave him an answer that sort of said, or not. Um, and you know, they, they I had I had the the, you know intervention conversation part way why through. would
0: why would you do that? It was because, really because the, the reason yeah I realize it's been <laughs> but like you'd work so hard to get up to that point.
1: It was a really emotional process to go through because you're exactly right. I
0: like I why was, not just for another six weeks suffer and get the return I, offer with the smile.
1: I probably should have, but I, in my in my view, all the recruiting was happening right then and there. And it was a get it now before it's all gone because if you wait till the end, there's going to be nothing left.
0: Got it. So Oh, I got it. So your whole thing was like, if I don't lateral in this late summer, if I just grin yep. and take it and smile and take it, I get an offer, um, I'm going to miss all of the few lateral seats that are actually. Exact, exactly. So you had to kind of, you were, Kind of hedging, trying to trying to get the offer still sorta, but still
1: also, sort of, but like not not super, and like you okay. know it was it was a very it was a very
0: because the offer the value of the offer is not the actual offer the value of the offer is just the signal it sends to other potential employers that's, right that's that's exactly so, it.
1: but I, to your point I had to go hedge right it was it was a hedge, yeah if I if, I if I miss if I miss the boat because everyone's already filled their lateral seats then i'm going to end up with this offer and then probably not taking it and then where am i
0: So are the listeners that aren't aware of that like t- talk about that process and like do, were you able to get into any lateral interviews because so lat for people yeah. that don't know lateral interviews is, is like for for seats that aren't filled from other internship classes um lateral just means from from bank to bank so it's like yep. people who want to switch for whatever reason so um Alex here was at Goldman. Theoretically you probably got some looks. I'm I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, no, I had I had um, a number of them. And again, it's really, really hard to make it work. But I made I made, you know, I probably got into, you know, three to six processes, something like that, three, four, fives. I don't I don't remember exactly how many. None of them got all that far. Um, because that's the thing is it's you're you're coming off and you're exhausted. You're being, you know, I I my I particularly had a very, very grindy summer at Goldman. And I was just worn down. I wasn't coming off well. You know, it's, it's a, we're seeing here, it's a hard thing to sort of explain to people like, yeah, like I wanted this and now I don't want it. And talking to you, but also I'm not sure (laughs) I'm committed to, you know.
0: Yeah. They're like, why aren't you going to get your offer at Goldman?
1: Right. Right. So it was, it was, I I did it poorly, is the honest answer. Um, I I really sort of flubbed that process.
0: Um, Sounds like it was a meat grinder and you having done, the previous meat grinder the week the summer before you were kind of at that point ready to be working it was kind of like this weird in between um you got caught in between of like uh not quite going fully full bore so
1: uh, i I would, I, would, I would differentiate it actually I, I i think people a lot of people say like oh banking's a meat grinder and it stays as like banking is you know people accept banking is a meat grinder there are a lot of different kinds of meat grinder right yeah. there are a lot of different ways to work 100 hours and a lot of different ways to hit your life um, and, you know, I think Goldman was probably actually fewer hours than Eastell. The problem was it was more intensive hours and mm-hmm. it was much more stressful hours. You know, yeah. my, my friend, you know, you hear about people who work this hundred hour weeks and say, oh, yeah, we're waiting for, we didn't do a turn of deck. And you go to the gym and you toss a ball around, you're throwing stuff at the desk and you're hanging out. You know, Eastell we do a hundred hour weeks, but, you know, we'd order Benny Hanna for dinner and you get 45 minutes to hang out at the bar with, you know, it, it was just different. And Goldman, it was, it was just nonstop at my mm-hmm. desk. Um, and there, there was absolutely no room coming up for air. Um, and that, and that just made it much harder.
0: Got Um, yeah. So do you feel like, um, that's a really good lesson. I mean, for people listening in terms of like knowing the specific risks of when you don't know what group you're going to, you don't know who you're really working for. Um, and what the top levels is going to be like and what group you're going to be slotted into. It's kind of like, that can totally change your summer and change whether you can actually make it make it through with an offer. Yeah. Um, and the the return offer rates they're not even in the 80s or 90s percent no, they're, they're about 60. Yeah, 60 to yeah. 70. So and
1: now, a- and, now, and that was a part of my math too. Was I w- so I had heard and the previous summer Macquarie had only made 10% return offers. All right. Right. And and so you're like I'm, I'm
0: running away I'm from like, there.
1: I'm like yeah, like Macquarie like I don't know if I'm actually that's going to turn out, you know. Jeffries, you know, was its own thing, and um again, I don't, I don't want to be too negative, but that's sweaty. Guy, too. The,
0: that's sweaty too. It's
1: it's sweaty too, and the guy, the guys I actually would have worked for there, I think actually got in some very public trouble. So okay. that was probably a bullet dodged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um. So really, in hindsight, like it was, you know, macquarie ended up making all the offers that year. Went from a ten percent to ninety plus percent. So I, you know. Of, of course i missed it but with the knowledge that i had i probably i, I don't know if i made the right decision still I, it's something that i still sometimes think about of where yeah well, I, I mean i think I go,
0: for you know? people who um, are looking for return offer data there's return, in the company database that we do yeah. have percentages yeah. by awesome. bank um for so people are trying to look for that data but like you said it's not always you know, past performance of rates. It
1: can can vary significantly. Let's put it this way. If
0: you have two middle market banks that are equal weighting or similar weighting, or like, let's say one's slightly, but they have like a 90% offer rate and the other one has a 50% offer rate, I would almost always tell you to go with the 90, Um, like historically, like just go with that because it's safer. Um, But anyway, so, okay, so you... It pretty, sounds like a brutal summer. It was,
1: it was real hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so um, you're kind of coming in, you don't get the offer. Was it kind yeah. of like a, you already knew you didn't have it kind of going to that? Last yeah.
1: I, I, it was, it was, you know, it's never fun to hear it, but I, it, it wasn't unexpected either. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that it, it, look, it was, it was a hard time, right? I had, I had a really hard fall that, that fall at school. It was also, again, having graduated on time, it's now my super senior year so almost all my friends are gone. So I'm sort of like, I've got like one friend left on campus and I'm, and (laughs) I'm in this like super sort of dark place of I'm basically by myself and don't have my job lined up. I haven't figured this out. You know, I've more, I've missed the bulk of the lateral recruiting
0: process. Yeah. And um, it was, you're back to the drawing board, the kid who knew what everything was lined up in his freshman year, which I would always say, usually if you know that early, you're going to be fine, right? It's very rare to be kind of thrown a curve. It, it sounds like you almost like you almost like uh, peaked early, like in your in your college career, and then like somehow stumbled at the yeah. last time. Like you're like I, what's the finish line, and then you're like, "Well, ah!
1: <laughs> I I really it it really just sort of fell apart there at the end."
0: Now tell uh, tell me as a 22 year old, maybe even 23 at this point. You, yeah. you're, you're. Like you said, you're super confident, which is very normal yep. for a guy, you know, a guy yep. who's done, done all those things. These are coming to seniors saying, I, you know, I should be at XYZ Bank, right? Yep. But the reality is those seats are filled. Yep, that's right. So tell me how you kind of went about, when did you uh, kind of have the realization that, you know, hey, this may not be.
1: Oh, I, I, I knew before I got back to campus that basically all the lateral seats were filled, right? Because I'd been, I'd been talking to them, yeah. right? And I I knew I'd missed this boat, missed that boat, missed that boat. I had all the deadlines. I talked to all the people. They said, we're going to know, you know, by X, Y, and Z. I had an Excel sheet of everyone's timelines. And, you know, basically by September 1, it was, it was toast, right? Yeah. Um, and so I got back to school and I had a real thing, right? Because I thought, I got thinking, about why did I want to be an investment banking in the first place, right? And the answer when I was a little kid was, I don't know what I want to do. And I know I'm good with numbers. I know I want to make a lot of money. And, you know, I've sort of seen it and I'm going to do it. And I'll figure it out later. Right. And, and the sophomore summer thing was really influential because I really saw what I sort of sort of, it was almost like Shangri-La, right. Of like, you see these really smart guys doing really cool deals. They don't make, you know, you're not making, you know, mega fun private equity money, but you're making really good money. And yeah. you're having fun the whole time. Yeah. And I, I'd had that in my mind of, okay, I want to do banking to get into venture capital. Right. And that the seed was planted that sophomore year. And so as I'm going into senior year and I'm like, all the, all the lateral seats are gone, you know, venture capital is what I came in this for. How do I how do I make that happen? And I start doing a ton of networking with VC firms. Really, really difficult to do. Um, got very little response rate.
0: Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? You have banking <laughs> all those plastered all over your eyes. OK, yeah, sure. This venture right. one internship. Right. Here.
1: Right. With, with at that time, it was a growing shop, but it wasn't even, you know, again, now it would mean a lot more then it. That meant, you know, not as much. Yeah. Um, luckily the private equity firm still had stuff going on. There were a number of private equity firms looking for full-time analysts. So I got into a bunch of private equity processes thinking, okay, I can go make this work. And um, at the same time, I'm like saying, okay, how do I get into it? How do I get into venture? Well, venture backed startups are one of the best ways to go do that, right? And I knew, I knew that I liked being an operator I knew that I had the financial knowledge, and I sort of said, "Okay, maybe a fintech startup is another alternative option." Yeah, Um, and went through the process for the fintechs and went through the process of private equity firms, and um, came out in the end again, really, really one of those like simultaneous moments of like two offers at the same time of like truly pick your path of you know a real but not super well known fund, but it was out in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Right. It would have been a, either living in the suburbs or a reverse commute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in a group in the fund that I didn't really want to be in. Um, and it was, me, you know. Tell
0: me about that. What do you mean? Like a private equity fund?
1: Yeah, the private private equity fund um, doing uh, secondary transactions before those were sexy. Um, yeah. Okay. And it, I was in their, in their secondary transactions group. And um, to be honest with you, again, not sitting on the fund, I didn't like the guys. And that's what it really came down to was yeah. I'm in all these interviews and like all these guys kind of feel like bricks. And I'm dealing with the interviews with startups, and they're all like coolest people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guy I, I was actually going to go work for, so I, I, I was talking to the startup where, um, this is Oak North on my resume. Yeah. Um, so fastest ever uni- fintech unicorn, so fastest ever unicorn in Europe. So fastest ever startup to get a billion valuation, Took them like nine months to get a billion dollar valuation. Wow. Right. They had you know a few hundred million dollars in capital raised, like really sort of they're in that growth phase, but they want to go and open up a U.S. office, and they want to and they they brought in this guy, he's ex Deutsche Bank, ex Palantir, like you know ex Israeli Special Forces, just this like really all over the place, but really cool, awesome guy, who I love, right? And I'm like okay, like you know, you talk to your mentors and your parents and pick the person you want to work for, and I'd even sort of learned that previously and I was thinking okay you know what I can earn a little bit more money at this private equity firm but I'm living in the suburbs I'm reverse commuting or I can go be the first analyst second person in the super well-funded super fast growing startup with like a really cool guy to go work for yeah and and be on the ground in New York and and so that was the decision um yeah and I I hope I don't know how much time you have no go ahead I want to hear it let's talk about (laughs)
0: let's talk about Oak North and then I want to get to what you're doing now
1: yeah Um, so Oak North was all over the place. Um, so we built out a team in New York. I
0: can't imagine. Yeah. You're the number one, you're the number one employee from that office. Okay. So yeah.
1: Yep. I'm the, I'm the the number two employee, number one junior employee. They hired a guy to run the office and I was, you know, the first person in, um,
0: a lot of first, first tell me what they do. What is Oak North?
1: Yeah. So Oak North is a, is a FinTech. They've got an artificial intelligence, um, underwriting platform. They license out to big banks. And so, so And so they basically wanted someone with a, you know, sort of credity financing group, you know, leverage finance type background, which I had. Yeah. Um, and they were actively recruiting investment banking interns and people like, they were, I was literally their profile, right? And they told yeah. me straight up, like, we want people who have, you know, been in the investment banks and decided they wanted to go work for a startup. And they like have some basic technical skills. They know what they're doing, but they're, they want to go work for a startup. Yeah. Um, and their recruiter reached out to me actually and got in the process there. And it was all, all just sort of seemed perfect. it was this very sort of honeymoony period coming in um,
0: talk to me about pay was uh base really super low because of uh, it being a startup ba-
1: base was super low like not 50? because it was a, like 50 low not like 50 low okay. um, <laughs> no but I, put it this way i had I had three roommates living in a in a you know pretty shitty apartment yep. well, I, say, I say shitty very cheap with certain, with certain things that were not great, but enough upside where I wanted to live there. Um, and you know, it was, it was really, really tight. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, you you can make it work in New York, but it, it not, you're not rolling in it. Yeah. Um, and the way that we had negotiated it was they got me down on my base for a guaranteed bonus that would sort of top me up to be about market. Um, what does that so, mean? So,
0: market market to what?
1: Mar- so if I was if I had gone to go work at a sort of a middle market investment bank, I, my my all in comp would end up the same if I lasted a year was the idea.
0: Um, uh, so i.e. IE about so, 120 to yeah, ex- Exactly.
1: About, 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 100, about 120 years,
0: Okay. Right. So if no. I if I, la-
1: if I lasted it out, I had the guaranteed bonus where I was
0: Okay. And so did that did that happen?
1: it did kind of almost not and that's and that's why i think this is one of the more interesting parts of the whole not as it's, it's not that it's been a boring adventure but this is one of the more interesting parts of the adventure i mean yeah tell so me. so um go to oak north work come to go work for this guy um we hire another person who's going to be another senior person in the office right so now there are sort of you know two md level people yeah um and may um he gets fired he had the there's oak north was a very political very um game of thrones everyone's got sharp elbows it was you know investment banking on steroids in terms of in terms of the environment that's sticking around there yeah and he and he had just gotten he gotten beat right and they were jerking him around and they'd given him a very hard time and it was really one of those i quit your fired moments for him yeah um
0: this is the guy uh, that you are coming in. This is the guy that
1: I came in to work for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I lost him, which was a huge, which was a huge blow. And I'm thinking, okay, do I even want to be here anymore? I've only been here for, you know, a handful of months. I'm fresh out of school. Like I know it's bad look to hop again, but I should probably start looking around. Um, but in the meantime, I'm working with this other, you know, senior person who I really like her as well. You know, um, frankly, she, her skill set's less of a fit for the job, and she has, you know. I, it's a good thing and a bad thing because I'm getting to sort of carry a lot more of the weight. I'm actually speaking in pitches. I yeah. mean, talk to, you know, these really senior, you know, senior executives at 23 years old and yeah. being really the face of this thing. Whereas I wasn't as much before because, you know, she sort of needed a little bit of help to go carry stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of looking around, but it's, it's a, it's a not bad life, right? I'm not getting paid as much, but my hours are way better, yeah. right? It's not nine to five, but I'm not all, I, all night or and only a handful of times and it's because of other people dropping balls yeah um you know it, it was it was not a terrible thing and it was mostly i can stick this out for a couple of years and figure out business school or venture or, you know this this is a good look right I, I was sort of content to stick it out there um and so it's me and her working together we're looking at hiring people and we're trying to go grow we can't get a hold on business there are Issues with our execution, there are issues with corporate strategy, there are issues with the product. It's, you know, there are all sorts of issues that we're having, and it's just we're not, we're not having success. And one of the parts that actually made it difficult as well was in Europe, the CEO of Oak North is a bit of a celebrity. And so he can get him any meeting because he's him, and anyone will meet with them because, like, they know who he is. Right. And it does not translate to the US, and that was not understood. It's like, well, why can't you get a meeting? We have Rishi. Rishi doesn't mean anything here. Like, yeah we're, we're, we're just two guys <laughs> we're, yeah, a girl yeah. and a guy. guys like we're, we're figuring it out um but it was it was a bad it was, it was a stressful look for the office and what ended up happening and one of the crazy stories so we have this we get a we get a we get a meeting with uh with rbc um and their toronto office um and it's through one of the founders and he's worked at McKinsey, and someone there was at McKinsey, and we have this whole sort of you know it's all sort of set up and we spend this is like a big meeting this is like every senior stakeholder 30 some people from their side like it's a full bank meeting we spend like a month prepping for it like all sort of going well um and the ceo at one point sort of loses confidence you know what you guys don't just take the person i'm going to come in and come take it with you um and we're all going to do it together and i'll see how you guys operate and um at this point my boss sort of says look i know you're just talking to meetings but ceo is there you're not supposed to be doing that like Sit there, take notes, carry the pitch books, like, I'll handle it. Um, meeting's a disaster, total disaster. Um, CEO carries the whole thing. My boss didn't execute. I sat there quietly, having been told to sit there quietly. In the middle of the meeting, my flight gets canceled. And I te- I'm texting the CEO and secretary, and he, the CEO flies private. You know, me and, and my boss are flying, you know, flying coach. Um, and he says, oh, well, no problem. Like, I'll put you on the jet. Um and so we come out of this meeting, it's a terrible meeting. My my boss does not get put on the jet. Her flight gets canceled on the way to the airport, but we're in we're in the we're in the you know the Maybach, right? Yeah. And CEO's up front with boss and I are in the backseat, and he's yelling at us, you know, you guys were terrible. You guys were awful. Just totally full for like 45 minute ride of pain. My boss is texting me like he doesn't mean you, he means me. Um whatever. We get to the airport, I get on the plane. I spend two hours in the air on a very small private jet, face-to-face with the CEO, um, basically being grilled about how I'm garbage and being told on a post box, what do you do? I don't get out any value. You know, when I was 23, I started my own venture fund. What have you done? Um, really just a, vi-
0: yeah. a
1: really, really miserable private jet ride.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um
0: yeah okay so I, I get the picture so like yeah was that like the signal that you needed to get out well it
1: was ish and so I I was actively looking already and I came back and I was like okay I'm taking my my boss texted me and I had the same thought, like we're both taking the next day off neither of us are working like we're having we're, we took a mental health day yeah um on, on a Thursday right and um Friday morning I get a text from my boss at seven forty-five in the morning. They just fired me. I argued for your job. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, let me know. Like, what can do to help? You know, well, like, very her. very nice text. So yeah. she's yeah. So she's she gets fired. I get a call fifteen minutes later. If you want a job, move to London by Monday. Um, and so I moved to London over the weekend. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Um, okay.
1: And so I moved to London.
0: You moved now to London I, over the weekend, but I can see from your LinkedIn, you were only there for five months. That's right. So tell me what happened. How did you so, end back? We get, just, to, just to speed up the process, <laughs> you ended up there for another two plus years after that yeah, crazy jet yeah. ride.
1: No, I, I I know. I know. It's it's really an adventure. Um, and I gotta, I'm sorry we're taking so much time. I'll, try, I'll try to accelerate it. Um, so there was a guy there who was hired the same day as me, same role as me, same everything as me. Really slick guy. Not that I'm not that I'm not, you know, somewhat polished, but this guy's really, really polished, right? And he's just sort of a navigator, manipulator person. And he saw me as a threat to him because we were in our own territories before and now we're not. This is in London. This is in London. So I land in London on Monday. I get put with this guy, you know, and he's in all the deals. I'm in none of the deals. I'm trying to be friendly. Like, how can I help? And I basically get stuck by the printer, like, screw you, do nothing. Right. And I'm trying to get involved in stuff. He's taking me off email chains. He's changing meeting rooms. Oh he's like intentionally keeping me out of stuff. Right. And just like <laughs> screw me. At one point, I'm supposed to have a meet with my boss, my new boss. And he saw me outside the conference room and ran his meeting two hours over. So I couldn't meet with my boss. Um, it was it was just really out of hand. And on the Thursday, um, I get he throws me this PowerPoint that needs to go out to a client in like four hours and it's like a hundred slides long and it's absolutely garbage. It needs to be completely redone. Yeah. And it's like, okay, was well, your responsibility? And of course I failed at it because it needed, you know, at least a full day of work and I'm racing all morning and whatever, um, gets turned in. I get brought upstairs to conference rooms. I get fired and, the, and, they, and they literally say like, Alex, we're sorry. You know, it's not working out. Um, and I looked I looked the co-founder in the face and I said, "This is bullshit." You know, I had positive reviews in the US. He moved me four thousand miles four days ago. right? All I've tried to do is be involved. No one's let me be involved. I haven't even gotten to meet with my boss yet. Yeah. And what? This is over that PowerPoint that I had absolutely no chance of doing correctly. Like <laughs> what, what's going on here? Yeah. And the guy says, "You know what? You're right?" And takes me by the shoulder, walks me back downstairs transfers me over to the lending side of the business instead of the, instead of the tech side of the business yeah. Get, assigns me to a new MD that MD gets in a car accident over the weekend what so i I know I, so <laughs> <laughs> it goes on um, it's, I, I, it was, it was a, it's a long story but it's it continues to twist um, I come back he's not there I have to make my own way in London there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens in London but the plan is always we're going to reopen a U.S. office and Alex is going to be the guy to help reopen the U S office. So I lasted out in London. It's a whole big to do. Um, there's, you know, good blood, bad blood mixed 15 people or so get fired while I'm there. Right. Yeah. Cause they, this fires people all the time, left and right. They just have huge turnover. Yeah. It's still very stressful. I'm trying to last it out. My girlfriend is furious at me for having done this whole thing in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I moved back to the U S um, we start up another new office. I'm the first analyst all over again. Yeah. Um, in the interest of time, I'll skip most of the crazy stories here, but we had a little bit more success, right? We raised money from SoftBank. We started up a proper debt fund. We're doing, you know, lending in the U.S. We built a great team. I love my boss that we hire um, and, and all these different people that we've brought in. It's a really great thing. Not a lot of success due to literal, like cultural differences. Um, we go to credit committee, and guys in the UK say, well, why don't you have this? Well, it doesn't exist in the US. Well, why don't you have that? People won't do that in the US. And so we have all these deals that we're sourcing. We have a billion plus dollar pipeline and we're barely getting stuff through because every deal we're having to explain why it's different than how it would work in the UK and nothing yeah. closes. Uh, um, I got frustrated. I, I thankfully got a few deals on my resume. It's so they to talk about, but not nearly as many as I would have liked. Um, It
0: was time to start looking once you started. Yeah,
1: I I was actively looking. I've been in the process for six months with a dream VC. And I'm like, so excited for this whole thing to sort of happen. In the middle of it, Oak North sends me to India. I spend a month in India building out their back office from scratch (laughs) um, for the US. Yeah, uh, and there's all there's all sorts of adventures in India as well. But I did a, I did a month in India, um, establishing all the U.S. back office procedures and how all that was going to go work. Yeah. Um, and come back, and I'm still in the recruiting process with the VC, and all this is going on, and then it's March of 20. Now it's March 2020. COVID hits. Yeah. The VC drops the process. We're not going to hire anybody. Um, Oak North, Oak North, um, goes full remote. I go, I buy a sports car. I drive out to my family's house in Wyoming. I'm going to go work remote from Wyoming. I don't want to be in New York. And My building's full of doctors and diplomats. I don't want to be anywhere. This is the worst building in New York to be in. Possible for this situation. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, we have a meeting with, with Oak North. We get told there's $700 million in cash in the bank. We're not going to fire anybody. You're all safe. Two weeks later, my whole team is fired. Whole office is gone. They have the gall. I'm still. I will forever be upset about it on top of this twofold of one they published an article in the paper saying how proud they are they haven't laid anybody off after having laid off our whole team um <laughs> <laughs> and two when i first joined Oak North bonus cycle is based on when you join it's not a it's not an annualized cycle and yeah. there was an accounting issue my first day so instead of being on the march cycle i was on the april cycle and so i i had been told my bonus expectations for that year and i had earned it i had multiple all-nighters we'd close deals I went to India for these guys yeah and they came back to me and said well COVID we're zeroing your bunch, and also you're fired um
0: <laughs> and I think like, a pretty brutal place to it was yeah
1: it was it, honest there's there's there is it's a great builder of a person to come through that place it is a meat grinder of yeah. all of the wrong sorts and um it helped, it helped look it helped me out in Everything else since. Let's let's talk about what you're doing now, though. Yeah, how do you yeah. So
0: and let's give uh, Lex some time.
1: Yeah. Again, apologies for how long this has gone. That's but good. How, yeah. So, um, basically, they get fired from Oak North, one of my friends says, "Hey, look, I've got this great company, Lex. They're hiring. Like, let's get you in." Next day after I get fired, I'm on the I'm on the phone with the CEO having an interview. I'm in the process. I take their modeling test and talking to people. It's COVID. The economy is destroyed. I have an off. I have a verbal offer from Lex a month later. And so I'm happy, right? At this point, it's say, like, okay, cool. Like I get some time off in my career. I've got this fun little sports car that I bought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't need me to start right away.
0: What I've car? Some- what car?
1: I had I had a a, a BMW uh, with the M package on it and and convertible and nice. it was the last year with power steering so or was so without power steering so I had to get the tr- proper ro- road feel and I'm driving around the country in a in a you know very high powered BMW sports car.
0: You're still in uh, Wyoming at this point? I'm in Wyoming. I'm by myself.
1: I you know three months three months with no human contact, having stocked up on food. I have to go and be social. I've got a friend in Montana. I say I'm going to go drive up there it starts what becomes a 30,000 mile road trip. Um, <laughs> and oh so God. I drove, I drove the BMW 30,000 miles all over the country, hit most of the States. I've now been to 46 States Amazing. after this road trip. Um, end up totaling the car in a, in a, sn- a surprise snowstorm in January and have the conversation where it's like, okay, it's, it's time to go start it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've had my fun. I have this thing. Let, let's go get started. Um, So started in Lex almost exactly a year ago, actually. Yeah. A year ago tomorrow is my, my anniversary at Lex. Um, And yeah, again, so I worked for a series B stage startup in Oak North Lex at the, at this time is a seed stage startup, we've now just this past week raised our series a, um, which is super
0: exciting. Tell Um, me more about what, what, what is Lex and what do they do?
1: Yeah. So Lex is a real estate investment bank um, registered broker dealer we basically are trying to go and fill a hole in people's capital structures about how people deal with you know who who has the equity in the real estate transactions right so um, we do equity recaps but with the idea of having those pre- those recaps be at a premium to the existing market right so in the existing recap market there's usually a discount so we're saying now you can recap at full market price right with permanent capital right so you don't have you don't have an lp who needs to be cashed out in every many years right? That's non-voting. So you're not getting married to someone who's having to go interview and deal with partners, you know, just sort of quiet, easy, full price capital that you can come in and take out some of your equity with and rework your capital structure. And,
0: and this is for do, real estate in particular. For
1: real estate in particular, we, well, we'll come back to that in a quick sec, but um, it's all enabled by, we built an ATS from scratch. So we partnered up with NASDAQ for their, for their matching system. And our engineers spent, you know, multiple years building out basically Um, A mini stock exchange, you can think of it as, where you can actually trade these things. Everything is QSIP. that goes through the DTCC. It looks, feels, and acts like a stock. You can hold it in your brokerage account. It's fully liquid, direct ownership of real estate. That's tax advantaged, right? Just like you owned it directly instead of through a REIT. You get to go pick a single asset and you're you're buying in institutional real estate, like how a fund would buy, but for $250 of minimum investment. With a, with a with a huge liquidity option through our marketplace. So I thought the idea is brilliant. We had a bunch of guys, including one of, my, one of my, it was another funny story. I got the offer because I knew Drew, or it was in Drew's social circle. And after getting the offer, everyone realized, wait a minute, our, our chairman knows you. And I figured out the chairman is a friend of my dad's. And so that was, as I'm, as I'm thinking about my dad's, like, oh, yeah, go work for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, And end up actually, my analyst now is, um, and this is, he hired parallel process to me, started the same day as me, is my dad's old boss's son. Um, So it's even more of, uh, and again, perfectly parallel time, just a very sort of incestuous world. Um, I go to Lex, my fourth day at Lex, again, key of the fourth day, um, I get transferred. Um, And so we'd brought in this one from Blackstone, um, who was going to go be our sort of special ops at the firm and do stuff that wasn't real estate. And all of a sudden I'm not doing real estate. I'm doing, I'm doing special ops. I'm doing jewelry and diamond and an art investment banking. Um, oh. And so I spent six months doing that, that business line, you know, we go back to real estate as the main business is what we're trying to go do. Um, and I've, I've been, yeah, having a great time, a lot of fun and we're really getting stuff done here and now at Lex. Um, so, you know, we have our first uh, we did our we did a beta test IPO right as I right as I came in back in February of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, that was friends and family make sure the system works. Yeah. Um, we did our retail test IPO of let's see you know how we can actually get retail demand going and you know don't don't push it with the institutions but just see what ordinary people who can buy this stuff because we can sell to non accredited investors anyone can go invest in it. Let's see how that market looks. And now we've um, we're sort of ramping up into our. Um, growth phase with our Series A of, okay, now we can do bigger deals, we have institutional partners, we can do, you know, more and more stuff, and we've got a pipeline of deals coming down to go and, and launch in 22. Um, so, really exciting, I, you know, I think the takeaway of that, as we're running out of time, one of the things of the startup and the Oak North stories and, and, the, and you know, the Lex story of being transferred and back, you know, I, I think they're, you work hard, but one of the biggest things at a startup that's both great and terrible is every day is going to be different and you don't know what the next day is going to bring. And sometimes there are really, really rapid changes in direction that are hard to get used to. And um, the, good, the good news is having been through a meat grinder like Oak North, um, everything kind of feels, you know, tame in comparison. And the people here are a lot easier to work with. And I'm a much happier person. Okay. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I yeah. appreciate you sharing your story. Any other final words of wisdom before we call it? Um or any other plug. Do you want to plug it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would absolutely want to plug Lex um as my as my last going word in this I, I apologize, very, very overtime interview. Okay. Um of yeah, look, I mean, you know, we just raised our series A led by Peak Six and Co is La following on. Um, we've got an absolute ton of momentum coming into 2022. I I came here, you know. Aside from the fact that (laughs) I was encouraged to the connection, you know, I think that this is really the coolest concept going right now in in fintech and real estate, right? There's a huge trend in the world of democratization. And I don't think real estate has been properly democratized. I think we have the tools to go do that. And, um, you know, the fact that we've brought in the right team to go underwrite and have good deals coming through, I think makes it all the better.
0: It's awesome. Super exciting. You can check it out at lex-markets.com. Awesome. Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate your time. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.